What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Center of Attention. Glad to be glad that you decided to take an hour, hour and a half of your Thursday to listen to me talk shit. I appreciate all you stallions. I hope we're hopefully we're growing this stable of stallions here. Uh, that's always the goal. And um, new thing that I'm going to start off with today. Uh, everybody could use a good joke, and for me personally, I like dirty humor. So. Uh, also we have Dan sitting in live. He wanted to get the live experience of the podcast. So, uh, if this goes well, who knows, maybe I'll take this shit on tour. Um, but we're going to start off. Uh, I, I thought of the best way to start a podcast. I always like listening to a podcast where they start off laughing since I don't really have a co-host to play off of. Uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to go and, and test my, test my joke telling abilities. Uh, so these are the, the actual website. It, the title of this article is 50 dirty jokes that are never appropriate, but always funny. Uh, so here we go. First one. What's it, the difference between a G spot and a golf ball? A guy will actually search for a golf ball. Um, second one, and this might be the last one. There's another one that's really good, but I don't, I I honestly don't feel comfortable saying that one. So this one, what does the sign on an out of business brothel say? Beat it. We're closed. All right. So there, there, there's your two hilarious jokes to start off the show with. Uh, I think that that's going to become a staple and maybe, uh, I'll try and find some more story type jokes so that I can. Um, take up a little bit more uh, of your time because everybody loves listening to me. That's why I called this podcast Center of Attention. It's it's awesome. Uh, thank you guys again for listening and, and supporting the show. Um, like I mentioned last episode, we just are, I just started a Twitter page for the podcast, and you can follow it at COA Pod seventy three. Um, so if you want to keep up to date on some of the stuff going on with the show, uh, I'll announce guests through that account. So. Um, if you want to stay up to date with that, follow that account on Twitter. Again, that's at COAPod73. That's all caps, too. Um, today's episode is going to be interesting. I'm going to start off with just about 20 minutes of bullshit because I feel like I haven't been able to talk to you guys just one-on-one forever. Um, last week's episode was really cool, having my brother and, and my dad on to talk about the Super Bowl. And obviously, there was some heavier stuff that I had to talk about with Kobe Bryant and all that. But this one, I think, is just going to be me shooting shooting the breeze for a little bit and then uh, i also have an interview coming up with um we heard her actually her fiance a couple weeks ago on the episode uh christian saez you can follow him on twitter at cjj saez um i'm sure he'll be appreciating the support from you guys he he had a really fun time on the podcast and some he talked it up so much that his fiance marissa manzanares decided to come on the uh the podcast and she plugs her social media later on in the show but just to get it out there now as well so you guys can follow her on social media i gotta start getting more prepared for these because i always struggle when trying to figure out somebody's social media so you can follow marissa on twitter at marissa manza2 that's m-a-r-i-s-s-a M-A-N-Z-A-N-A-2 on Twitter. Um, She also runs um, a couple of the accounts for the station that she works at. SWX, I think. Yeah, SWX Sports. If if you search Marissa's 
um, Twitter profile. It comes up with that. She also, like I said, mentions it again towards the end of the podcast. But shout out to Marissa for agreeing to be on this week's episode. We talk a little bit about her job, and uh, she's actually a content creator for the social media of her station. So SWX, she runs all the social media, creates all the um, graphics, and, and tries to break news through the Twitter account as fast as possible. So we talk a little bit about how that's going. Um, and then just some, she's a huge sports fan. We broadcasted basketball. Um, so we talk a little bit about that kind of stuff. It's a really good interview. I think that it, it was uh, it was awesome to get her on, like I said. And I think that you guys are going to enjoy the episode with her. And uh, go, go ahead and follow her and Christian right now because they're going to be doing big things. Um, can't say exact, can't say it yet, but Christian let me know about an opportunity that he has coming up and it's absolutely incredible. So congrats to him in advance. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, you'll be able to figure out what kind of news I'm talking about. I just specifically, I can't say at the moment, um, due to legal reasons, because now he, he's at the point where he's working for companies big enough that they have legal issues that they have to worry about. <clears throat> wow. All right, now that that that's out all out of the way, oh, I guess I should mention you can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Pilato, um, and then on Instagram at Proud underscore Wop. Uh, my Facebook is just Jimmy Pilato, and uh, yeah, that's basically all the stuff I have going on. Um, if you like sports talk radio, go to SoundCloud, search Gunnison Sports Talk Radio. You can listen to the radio show that I do twice a week. Um, but I think that's it. Now I'm done plugging stuff. And we can get into some of the stuff I wanted to talk about for this episode. Oh, it's uh, We're actually coming up on the midway point of the semester. And, and Dan, who's sitting in the station, is also graduating in May. And that's something that completely took me by surprise. One of my professors said we had our midpoint check um, for our, ba- our major portfolio that we're creating in his class. So we're officially, and, and th- over the weekend, we were officially three months to the day away from graduation, which gives me a lot of anxiety. I don't know how you feel about it, um, but I, I, I just think it's like I started here. It, it doesn't feel like I started here three years ago. It feels like I, I've only been here for a couple couple days and, and don't know how exactly I feel about being ready to finish up. Um, there's a lot of, of stuff that I still have to take care of here, and hopefully I find a job in that time, but that, that kind of... Um, induces a little bit of anxiety. I mean, uh, there's no other better way to call it when you're sitting in in the office on Sunday night and put out 24 job applications because that's how nervous you are that you're not going to be able to find something right after graduation. I I would call that anxiety. I don't know if you could call it anything else. Like I said, um, it's uh, so I'm, I'm trying to find different ways to handle that and to get ready for it obviously it's great having the radio show and working much more with the um, station and the podcast helps out a lot with that too so I am trying to manage it as best I can it's just something that I never really had to deal with and I never really had the time to sit around and think about it either with as busy as I had been for football and working at the radio station in res life this is like the first semester that I'm able to sit back and think about the the scope of everything that's going on so it's uh it's interesting like I like I said I don't know exactly how I feel about that I I guess I'll get a little bit more clarity on that as we move forward hopefully 
the weather stays as nice as it, as it has been so we can start being outside a little bit more and uh maybe that'll help take my mind off of some of it but right now there, there's a lot of anxiety going around um i just uh in my experience i know lauren uh like i said last semester before i left for winter break she had, she deals with a lot of anxiety around schooling uh which is crazy that she wants to go to another six years of school uh grad school and vet school which i if you uh have that much anxiety about something i don't know how you decide to do that but it's gonna it's what she wants to do it's what she's passionate about so i know she's gonna make the best of it and i think that i'll make the, be able to make the best out of it too i, I just I don't want to be, and there's really no shame in it anymore. I don't know why it's such a point of contention for me. I don't want to be the guy living with his parents and couch, like couch surfing, living with his parents and not having a job. I don't want that. My parents have sacrificed enough for me to just get to where I am. I feel like it'd be a disservice to them if I spent six months at home job searching so that's why i'm trying as as hard as i can and it seems a little manic at times because it's trying just trying to get out there and and get into some of the different markets and unfortunately what i want to do for my career is a tough market to get into anyways with radio nobody likes to quit their radio job nobody retires because it's easy it's the easiest thing in the world to do you get to go to a whole bunch of different sporting events and if you're a huge sports fan why would you quit it I, I completely understand that. I just needed, just need the shot. It, it does help that I, I did start reaching out for some references that, to put on my ZipRecruiter account and going through and reading those. It's always a nice little pick-me-up, getting to hear praise from people that you don't ask for it from. And then when they finally do give it to you, you realize that maybe you aren't having such a, a bad impact on the place that you're at. And uh, one of my, Terry Schleesman, shout out to Terry Schleesman. He's been my advisor all four years since I came in with a con major. And then also a huge shout out to Cindy Whitney and Jackie Gabriel, a couple of the social professors here at Western. Um, they, they helped me out a ton figuring out what I wanted to do and trying to craft my own like broadcast journalism degree in a school that doesn't have it. We have communications, we have sociology, um, journalism, a lot of the sports journalism is basically combining human interest with athletic competition and I get the human interest side from the sociology classes that I've taken and then I know how to edit audio and talk in a articulate manner um, from the comm classes so I feel like all those people are going to be they're, they're going to be one of the main reasons that I'm set up for success whenever I leave hopefully Dr. Whitney gets back to me about writing the reference I just emailed a ton of people yesterday um so that that's kind of what's going on in in my world. We've officially hit the dog days of winter, which I would argue, especially here in Gunnison, is is worse than the dog days of summer. At least in the summer, you can walk outside and, and get some fresh air. There's a few days where last week it was minus 24. We were actually the lowest recorded temperature in the country. It felt like minus 35. I have a buddy who goes to uh, North Dakota. They their wind chill factor got them all the way down to minus 47 today and uh, North Dakota is a little bit more humid than it is here in Gunnison so I can't imagine how that feels shout out to Mikey Greibel if you're listening um, it, hopefully you stay warm I would stay inside it's one of those days like when it gets down past minus 25 it's one of those days where you contemplate whether or not you want to walk outside to the calf if if it takes if it's worth the amount of effort to get all bundled up make sure that none of your skin is exposed for the 
which should be a minute and a half, maybe two minute walk barely across campus turns into a five minute ordeal trying to traverse the snowbanks. Um, our facilities is doing better this semester, but it's still not great. There's still some slick spots and uh, snowbanks that are probably higher than some of the freshmen that are on campus, which is always fun to see. See them climb over to try and get around, um, especially on the hill, like going up towards Taylor. I haven't seen anybody eat it this year, but uh, I'm hoping out, holding out hope that I do get to see somebody like that. That's like the big daddy scene where he's putting the sticks in front of the rollerblades. It's kind of what I'm hoping for at some point uh, coming up here this winter. What you don't realize, especially when it snows and is as cold and dry as it is here in town, with the amount of snow that's already on campus, when the the weather's been kind of up and down. Like right now it's 21. Last weekend it was 41 on Saturday. So a lot of the snow starts to melt. And then you get these just waterfalls running around campus. And you don't realize how much water is there because it's um, in the snow form on the grass. But then once it starts to melt, it's going to be interesting to see how it comes back. Um, it, it always does. But some of the grass is probably going to end up dying on Taylor Lawn just because of the snow that's under it. And then it's going to get waterlogged. And then people are going to be walking across it towards the end of the semester so it'll be interesting to see how uh the winter finishes up see if we get another super wet april and may like we did last year it actually snowed a week up week out of graduation last year um so a week after everybody walked it was still snowing up here in gunnison which is always great yeah i mean what what else would you expect in may other than snow showers i don't know like sunshine flowers any anything like that no no that's that's boring we need the snow in May. That's what we need. I've had snow in June, too. That was the most nuts. I was at a baseball tournament, and it started to snow before we started playing our game. My dad's flying out for graduation. I told him to pack his sweater and take it Oh, yeah. Anytime you come to Gunnison, anytime, like, my parents always used to say when we would go up to the games, like, you bring clothes for all four seasons because there will be all four seasons in an afternoon. Uh, their famous story is that it started out kind of cold, like fall, fallish weather. Second quarter, it started to snow. Third quarter, it warmed up a little bit, so it started to rain. And then it ended hot. And like the sun, especially up at the bowl, is right in front of you, which I think, is that where we're walking? Yeah, we walked. Bowl, yeah. It, yeah. Tell your dad to bring a lot of sunscreen. Yeah. Because it, it's fall too, so. <laughs> sunscreen and a sun hat. Yeah, you're going to need it. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I'm, I'm that I don't even know what that was, but I'm hoping I'm hoping for not as wet of a of a spring, and just for the weather to come back. Cause I love going out and sitting by the river, skipping rocks uh, at Taylor, that all that kind of thing. And this is my last chance that I'll be able to do it for a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how often I'm gonna come back and visit, but we'll see. Um, some of the other stuff going on. I guess trapeze, which I, <laughs> I've i talked about a lot. I actually now have a video of me doing one of the trapeze moves. Haven't posted it to social media yet. Wanted to talk about it first and let you guys know that it's probably coming. Uh, we'll see. Depending on uh, how I'm feeling uh, on the day and whether or not I want to embarrass myself, uh, maybe I'll put it out this weekend. Maybe Friday night. That'll be my, my con- contribution to the social media world. Maybe it'll go viral and I'll become... Uh, a viral sensation idiot on the internet um but i actually really enjoy it it's i'm not great 
at the actual getting up on the trapeze. Uh, I'm a little bit heavier than uh, I, I would I would guess I'm a little bit heavier than most of the other trapeze artists you find. My core was strong, but I wasn't like really strong in the core, so some of the moves are a little bit difficult for me. Um, but he's actually the professor Steve Hughes is actually teaching us. It's called the the Skinner releasing method. So you, it, it, we basically get to be toddlers again and just get to move around the class space. And, and he plays music, and he gives us specific things that we're supposed to do, and it's supposed to just release all the tension and all the stuff that you're holding inside um, that isn't going to be like all the stuff that makes you doubt yourself and all the stuff that would make you. Um, you know, a little bit nervous and it actually works really well with getting that out. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm not one of the best on the trapeze, but I've performed in front of the class a few times. And I actually think they're not terrible performances. It is a lot of what performing and I would count podcasting and broadcasting as performing as well as just committing to the kind of person that you want to be podcasting. It's a little bit easier. I get to be a little bit more myself because the FCC can't do shit depending on whatever I say, which that, that feels good. I have a little bit more of a dirty sensibility, I guess. I'm a little bit more of a uh, raunchy comic in some respects. That's the kind of humor that I like to listen to. That's the kind of humor I normally come up with. Um, but, uh, yeah, just committing 100% to everything, I, I think that's the main thing that everybody could benefit from and not being anxious about what somebody's going to think about what you did. Uh, that's kind of... That's the main main pointer, and I'm in no position to give pointers. I'm a sports director at a radio station, but it's a student-run radio station, and there ain't that many people who are competing for this job when we were going back through interviews. Um, so I'm not necessarily in a place to give advice, but if I were to give anybody advice, especially people who want to start um, broadcasting and putting themselves out a little bit more, just commit to being whoever you want to be. Whoever feels the most authentic to you in that moment, commit to it and you won't be upset with the results because you'll already know that's the best you could have done. That's exactly what you wanted to do. And if somebody doesn't like it, they can shove it. If somebody does like it, awesome. They can continue to keep up with you. But it, with stuff so, so readily available and everybody and their mother has a podcast, everybody listens to talk radio, social media stars, all that kind of stuff. The best ones are the ones that commit to being at least a version of of themselves, but it's something that they're completely confident in. And I think that helps out people a lot. Just checking to see how, how long I've been going with this portion of the podcast. I don't want to take up too much time and I don't want to make it too long of an episode for you guys to listen to. Uh, Christian's episode was great. I do think that we probably went a little bit too long and I should have broken it up in a couple episodes, but you live and you learn. And, uh, now going to finish up this segment of just me talking about some random news because I feel like that a lot of the news that gets reported is pretty depressing. I'm in the gym most of the time and they have the BBC America channel on. It's uh, Senate looking to impeach Trump, everybody looking to see how bad of a person he is. And then today, since he didn't get impeached or removed from office and he was acquitted of everything, it's Trump's looking for revenge against everybody who tried to impeach him. So it's kind of depressing, not the best stuff to listen to, think about. Uh, but we're going to start 
looking at some random news because random news is always fun. And I found actually a pretty good article, especially for me being having some of that sociology, sociology background. I can't tell you how many professors have told me just to go out and break social norms to see how people react. And a man in Virginia... And Dan is from the South. He's from South Carolina. So when we were looking up stories before the podcast episode, it says a lot of weird shit happens in Virginia. I've only been there a couple times, and I was in Newport News. So I was in the scary part of Virginia, not the goofy part of Virginia. Um, apparently, a black man was seen wearing a Ku Klux Klan robe and a hood at a Virginia shopping center Tuesday, and he told the sheriff's deputies that he was performing a social experiment, according to the authorities' report. That is a new level of testing social boundaries. Like my professors were just suggesting that we walk down the wrong side of the hallway or sit in a class and turn our desk around and not let anybody else know what we were doing. He went full Dave Chappelle, except this guy knew he was black and still had on a KKK robe. The, the classic Chappelle skit was the blind black guy ended up being in the Ku Klux Klan and, and was super racist. It's great. He's a grandmaster wizard, took his hood off because he didn't know that he was black and everybody else kind of lost their minds. Uh, this guy knew he was black, knew it was going to ruffle some feathers and decided to go out in public like that. And it, it was a very bold move. And it's, I, I don't know. I want to see what kind of results he was getting. I wanted to see what his hypothesis was that people thought was going to happen. Because like, I don't even... Virginia's the South, but I don't even remember. Like, I don't think of it as being the super racist South. The super racist South is like Alabama and Georgia to me. Oh, see, in my experience, it's I'm from South Carolina, so like, like where I'm there, you know, you don't really see any for the most part. Yeah. But like Virginia, you know, when I was there, I saw some. Hmm. Um, especially the closer you get towards DC, and as you're heading up towards Maryland, I saw some. But uh, yeah, no, that's pretty. <laughs> Pretty strange. Would you do it if you were black? Would you walk around in a KKK robe just to see people's reactions? I'd probably have a different motive. I'd probably do it to just kind of, you know, fuck around the whole time. You know, just yeah, just kind of roll in in a KKK clove, uh, <laughs> robe as a black guy, just to be funny. But honestly, in my school, dude, and those people just sat in an elevator for like three hours going up and down. And people <laughs> come in and look at them and judge them. Like, oh, yeah, this is a social norm experience. That is bold. It's uh, it, I'm not going to say that it's in poor taste because that guy can do whatever he wants, and he's obviously experienced racism way differently than I have. But I would almost put it in, in like, the same ilk as... Uh, and it was funny because I was actually just having a conversation about this in one of my classes yesterday with uh, Isaiah Jackson. He's one of the... He's a grad assistant... Uh, grad assistant coach for the football team and he's in my uh, social capstone class and we were talking about uh, apparently him and he's the DB's coach and apparently him and the DB's were talking about whether or not black people should say the n-word and, and does it give them power over the word or does it just perpetuate uh, a negative connotation and it's uh, I think depending on where you are and who you talk to it's different I Jack is from Los Angeles so he's heard it his entire life he does say that he wants to stop it he doesn't agree that taking the word back is an empowering move and I guess I'm not sure exactly where I stand because I've never had to think about it it's I was I told him this yesterday it's pretty easy being born a white guy and knowing that I'm never going to say that word because I don't have any hatred and I know that 
I don't want if I, I don't want to offend anybody if I did say that word. So I was like, I, I I have a pretty easy explanation for why I don't want to say it. But for Ijack, it was a little bit interesting because, yeah, he's allowed to say it technically because he is of that color. He he is of the he he's his family has dealt with some of the stuff. I'm, I'm sure, especially going back multiple generations. Um, I just don't know if it's the best, like, even when black people call each other that, there's a pretty negative connotation surrounding it. It's different than um, the LGBTQ community retaking queer because they use it in, in an empowering sense. Um, a lot of the times when you hear black people call each other that, it's either an insult, uh, it could be mean-spirited or not, it could be just a... Um, uh, argue like a fake not necessarily an argument but like a discussion but a lot of the times especially from places like where ijack's from in los angeles you're hearing it right before somebody gets shot or right before somebody gets their ass kicked and i think that that's still if they want to say that they're taking it back they need to use it in a different way and this is coming this is racial advice from a white kid in Gunnison, Colorado, a white 22-year-old man who is from a middle-class background. So you could take whatever I say. You could take what I say. You cannot agree with what I say at all. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get a whole bunch of shit for this. But, uh, yeah, that's a good way to wrap this up, talking about talking about race and r- different ex- expectations for race. Um, I don't know. But with that... This is a bad transition, and I'm sure she's going to be pretty upset when she listens to the episode. Uh, we're going to get right into the interview with Marissa Manzanares. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Come on. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. Bring them out, bring them out. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. All right, today is a very special episode. We get the better half of one of our former guests, uh, Christian Saez, his lovely fiance. I'd say the better looking one, the more athletic one. Um, is there anything that he beats you at, or, or is it all just are you the plus side of the relationship? I think I carry most of the weight for being the best part of our relationship. But, I mean, I'm sure we'll be getting into it. I think he sings better than me, but that's about it. That voice you're hearing is <laughs> Marissa Manzanares, uh, fiancé to Christian Saez, uh, gracious enough to dedicate, or give give me a little bit of time. Um, former My former broadcast partner as well. We used to run the, the three-man booth for Western Basketball last year. Uh, Marissa, thanks for coming on. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited. It's been a long time since I've seen you, so it's good to hear from you, and I'm excited to to do this. Yeah, it's a little bit different now that you're a, a full-grown adult and, and have a full working schedule, and I kind of get to still screw around for another semester in college. So I'm glad we got to get in touch and get uh, get caught up with this. Yeah, you can trade me anytime. <laughs> um. Well, I'd like the job security. I don't necessarily know if I want to be on social media all day, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. We'll start off, you heard Christian's podcast. You know that we start every new guest with the get-to-know-the-guest segment. So I I need to know your go-to karaoke song, your go-to karaoke partner, and then we'll get into your top five movies after that. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to be pretty basic when it comes to the karaoke song. Uh, Definitely Backstreet Boys. Uh, I want it that way. I mean, that's a have to. 
And uh, I think I was going to pick Christian. I thought about it a lot today. But after hearing his podcast, I'm still a little offended. <laughs> so I'm actually going to go with my sister. My sister's name is Lauren. Um, she is very good at singing. I would say she's better than Christian. And so since I'm not the best singer, she needs to carry a lot of the weight for us. So I'm going to go with her. Uh, that seems like a pretty <laughs> solid choice. There, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. He said that you were a little bit upset about not being picked as his karaoke partner. I know. I was listening to the podcast, and I was like, wow, this is so great. And then he was like, I wouldn't choose Marissa. And I was like, oh, all right. That's cool. <laughs> it's his first lesson in happy wife, happy life, right? Exactly. We're still learning. We'll get there. All right. That's a good song. It's kind of – I have my my girlfriend on, her, who's also named Lauren uh, – one of the first episodes and she picked one direction i'd say and backstreet boys is a little bit like the the 90s one direction a little bit seems like a similar answer just a couple different generations yeah you know i'm a little older so we just we have to tad. take it back a little bit <laughs> um and then so i i think that's a good setup is your sister old old enough to drink or are you guys shutting it down a little bit uh, no, she's not. I mean, she's 16 years old, so she's still in high school. She's about to be 17 and next month, actually. So she she's not in the drinking stage yet, but once we get there, I think it'll be great. I think we're going to have a great time. I cannot wait to see her with a little bit of a li- li- liquid courage. Yeah, I think that's – it actually might be better that she can't drink because then she'll stay on point. You can kind of go <laughs> nuts. You said that it, when we were talking on Twitter – you said that you would bring up the dancing part portion of the act. So you could probably, you, you can be a little bit out there. She can stay zoned in on the song and the words. You can be the show. Exactly. Exactly. I, I definitely can, can dance. So I'll, I'll take that and she can do the singing. All right. And then top five movies. Um, yeah. Just get, we can just get right into it. Perfect. Yeah. I'm kind of all over the place when it comes to movies. I mean, most of the time, I kind of watch what Christian's watching, which, of course, is Avengers or some war movie. Ooh, shots uh, fired. <laughs> but uh, I like those movies for sure. But I think my top five ones are Love and Basketball. I mean, I was a basketball player, so that's a half to. Uh, Proposal, just because I like the sassiness that comes from that movie. Um, Jumanji is hilarious. I love one and two, so I consider those the same. Um, Glory Road, another great basketball movie. And then my all-time favorite, just kind of funny, um, sarcastic, I love it a lot, is You Again. And that's kind of just like a uh, like a rom-com kind of thing, but definitely a great movie. I was assuming a couple basketball basketball movies. No Coach Carter? You got no love for Coach Carter? No, you know, I was not a fan of it. I mean, I definitely will watch it, and uh, but it's not on my top, like, five basketball movies either. Um, I like Glory Road just because it's a little more passionate, but also because my college team, uh, Eastern New Mexico, the team I used to play for, is on it. It's one of the teams that they play. And then no girl who's a basketball player cannot love love in basketball. So definitely my two favorites. Yeah, I I would say that's probably a prerequisite when you show up to your first camp. You you learn how to do a layup on the left side and you get to watch, you get the DVD copy of Love and Basketball. Exactly. Yeah, you're kind of forced to love it. Uh, all right. So you mentioned that you're uh, a, you've played basketball. Obviously, I knew that, but the the listeners of the show didn't. And, and you played at the Division two level at Eastern New Mexico, and then transferred out to Western. Finished up. Wound up meeting Christian, and the stars aligned. Even though you worked for him at, at one point before you guys were together. Exactly. Exactly. I know. We uh, 
he fought it a little bit, but you know, I, I got him to come around to it. <laughs> it's the the funny thing is, is that you and I actually knew each other a little bit before you and Christian met. Uh, we worked at conference services over the summer, which is still one of my least favorite job experiences of all time. I'd probably <laughs> rather go back to high school than do that job again. But we've known each other a little bit longer than you and Christian have. But it's always nice to catch up with some friends that, that got to move on a little bit before you and got to be – I mean, you and Christian are both doing really well out there in Washington, uh, even though you're in the middle of nowhere, Washington, not on the cool side. I know. I know. We're on the – I would call it the farm side. Um, we're kind of in that Idaho area, so – as Parks and Rec would say, we're a big old park. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad place to be, and, and you're getting a lot of good experience. Um, you did you? How was it being a? You're the social media um, liaison. What what's your title for? What's your title? And what company do you work for? Yeah, so I work for. I'm the director of content creations for our sports team. It's called SWX. It's um, part of a NBC affiliate. So it's it's kind of like in the news we're a local news station and my job is pretty much to cover the local sports which actually consists of gonzaga wsu um eastern washington and then high school of course um so my job is to really just kind of sit on social media and make sure that we're reaching every aspect of spokane we're really covering every inch of it and making sure that we let our athletes know that we appreciate them and kind of highlighting those hidden gems that you wouldn't expect to see but kind of pop up here and there yeah your job is to kind of see like if you if you guys don't get the lead on a big story but it does happen you have to try and and get that out through your station as quickly as possible yeah yeah so my a lot of the times we're trying to beat the other stations so there's three stations here we have kxly creme and then khq which is my station and so like i said we're nbc and then there's a abc and cbs and so we're really just trying to beat each other to the story. So a lot of times when I go to Gonzaga and we're, you know, watching a basketball game, I'm sitting sidelines and I'm tweeting out scores. I'm or tweeting out best videos, like shots, dunks, things like that. And then if something happens, that's crazy, like an injury or a record that's been broken, then my job is to make sure that we get it out before the other stations. And if we don't get it out before them, it's giving the right information and the best, I guess, content when I send it out. So I'm really on the clock all the time. I feel I've, I've never had a job that had so much pressure behind it, but I feel like I'm on a time clock and every, every second is like a second that I'm trying to get something out before another station does. Yeah. You basically need to have ESPN on in the background all the time. When Christian was on, it was right after uh, the Mike Leach situation where he ended up leaving Washington state and he was saying um, you had to quickly get on and, and try and figure out a way to put that out through your station and all, get all the facts on it. Was that the craziest story that you guys kind of didn't break but then had to catch up and, and make sure you got it out? Uh, I would have to say that one and even the Kobe Bryant death. Those were the two probably biggest ones that I've dealt with since I've been here. And my, my hours at work are usually 2 to midnight. Like Those are usually the times that I'm working just because sports are late at night. But like for the Mike Leach, especially for the Kobe Bryant thing, um, it happened so early in the morning. So like with the Mike Leach thing, I was lucky enough to be awake um, when that happened. So when it was announced by uh, Wazoo, um, we were the first station to get it out as far as social media. But with the Kobe Bryant one, that one was hard just because 
you don't know what's real and what's not and you definitely don't want to like tweet something out and then it be wrong so a lot of it was like waiting for like confirmation that it was going to happen and so like I said I was staring at ESPN CNN um I was keeping up with uh TMZ everything I could just to make sure that I could get a confirmation out and as soon as I think CNN and ESPN were the first to break it I like jumped on it and sent it out but yeah it it's amazing because even though I'm not working like right now, you know, I need to make sure that I'm constantly on Twitter, making sure that I'm up to date on everything, at least locally and then nationally. Right. It's a, a journalist is never really off the clock, technically, especially when it kind of will we'll go into it now just because it's a good segue when something uh, like life happens and you realize how quickly everything can change in an instant, obviously being a basketball player, I don't know how you felt about Kobe specifically, um, but as a huge proponent of women's basketball, you always wanted to see Western's women's basketball team do good here. And uh, the fact that Kobe and Gianna died that morning, what were your initial thoughts beyond trying to get the story out when, when it was confirmed? What were, what were you feeling when that happened? Yeah, when it was when it was first announced, it was kind of like that, like, like I didn't have any emotion towards it in a sense of like, wow, like, is this really happening? Because I mean, we see so many things throughout the week, especially on like different news stations and different like Twitter, you know, pages. Things are being pushed out all the time, but then you know it'll come up like, oh, that was fake. We got hacked. Um, this is false news. And so for me, it was like, oh my God, you're kidding me. Like, this is a joke. Like, this isn't real. Like Kobe Bryant can't die because for me, you know, he wasn't my favorite basketball player, especially as an athlete, but I did have such high respect for him. And a lot of the drills that I did throughout my life um, and a lot of the stuff that we used to watch, like highlight films happened to be Kobe just because he was an incredible athlete and basketball player. So he was involved in my life in some form. And so when it happened, I was just like, there's no way this man is almost a god. Like, there's no way that this could have possibly happened. So for that first, like, three hours, I think I was sitting there like, nah, this this cannot be real. And as it progressed more on the news stations um, around the, you know, the nation, then it kind of started to hit me like, oh, my gosh. And the immediate feeling I felt once I started feeling something was towards um, Vanessa Bryant, which is his wife, because... that's just a horrible thing to happen for a family but then her finding out through tmz is just i cannot even begin to imagine the pain that she felt finding out through a news station versus the police yeah there's a whole bunch it's one of those stories where the initial shock is pretty bad nobody wants to see another person die tragically before they were supposed to and then when you you sit there and they get more details about it you realize oh well, Gianna was on the the helicopter with him. They were going to see, going either going to practice with her team or going to try and make it to one of her team's games at the Mamba Academy. And you go, wow, uh, two lives already. And then it comes out a couple days later that TMZ reported it before Los Angeles had the ability to tell Vanessa themselves. It's just, it's one of those things. Like, I don't even remember because. Uh, we're we're of the same generation pretty much and we weren't around when Walter Payton died that was kind of like the first the the last athlete I remember that shouldn't have passed away and ended up doing it and then it's just one of those stories and they come along every every now and then where you open it up and the further you open it up the more crap just starts 
piling out and you have to look back and go holy shit when when is this going to stop when is this going to try and get better and i don't even know if it started to get better or not but uh did, have you seen some of the stuff that the teams are, are doing around the country for gianna and kobe yeah absolutely um i saw the lakers what they did and i believe i cannot remember what football team it was that did something for him um i think it was the super bowl I can't remember. Yeah. They had a moment of silence for him, and then yeah. uh, they had like purple yeah. and gold lights too. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've seen everything that they're doing, and the the crazy thing with Kobe was he was down here um, about two weeks before his death. He was actually in Kashmir, Washington, which is a couple hours out from us, and he was actually with Gianna. They were going to a basketball game to watch one of the high school girls that were playing. And so he was here and that blew up like crazy. And then when they died, um, I think it hit close for home for here because we just had him here and we were covering it. We were, you know, staying on top of it. And the athlete that he came in um, to see play, um, she was devastated. And so that was amazing. But we had there was moments of silence from different teams just for not just for them, but also for the others that died along with them. And it's just like, you know, the painting on the mural on the, the basketball court that you saw on Twitter. Um, and then the eight and the 24 and then the two, like, it's just, it's just so hard to, to see that. But I'm glad they did that because like I said, he was, he to many, I think was considered untouchable. And for him to go down like that, it kind of brought to realization that anything can happen to any of us. And it's, it's just incredibly sad. Yeah. There, there's a couple uh, there's no good side of it, but I think the couple things that people can try and hold on to, uh, seeing UConn retire the the jersey that Gianna would have wanted to wear going there and playing basketball, I think that's good. And then being able to go back and see all the highlights from Kobe and, and realize that he was an 18-year-old kid when he first started playing professional basketball and the way that he worked and how much better he got. And you can tell just from his first to second year, the amount of weight and muscle that he put on so that he could play at that level. It's it's inspiring as a either an ath- current athlete or a former athlete that you can, if you have that kind of mindset and it's something that you really want to do, you can kind of accomplish whatever you want because that's what he was able to do. Yeah. And I mean, it even showed through his daughter as she's progressed, as she was progressing as an athlete, um, a lot of her skill set and her hard work. I mean, you saw a resemblance in just the way they played together. Um, I think that she would have grown up to be, you know, the next Kobe, but versus, you know, woman as a woman in the, the WNBA. I mean, just watching her, some of her highlights um, after she died, she was, she was great. She was a great player. So it's sad. I definitely think that was probably one of the biggest deaths in our, in our generation, at least. Uh, Michael Jackson was probably another one um, as far as I can remember. But Christian and I were sitting down the other day and we were like, that that one is probably one of the biggest deaths that we'll see in our lifetime. Yeah, it's one of the first times that I can remember where everything kind of just stopped, even with um, Michael Jackson's death because of all the other reports around surrounding him throughout his life. And it's tough because you have a similar situation with Kobe and, and the um, – sexual assault allegations so you you know that Mm -hmm. these people made mistakes before and then even with that i think when when somebody on that kind of stature dies the you kind of get to see it's a good gauge of who you have around you and who's kind of obviously hold the people that are close to you close but who it, it gives you a lens in to see who you can kind of 
maybe start to see possibly cutting out of your life a little bit because there was a lot of people that came out even though people knew that he had just died and he was an idol to so many coming out and saying that they're happy he's gone because of the one mistake that he made that he was never actually formally um, charged with. So it's, it's a, it's a weird litmus test to see where we are in society, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even, you know, around me, just kind of the people talking, there were a couple times that that came out. And for me, you know, it comes down to one, none of us were there to actually see what happened to he was not actually convicted of that and so for him to have that one thing to find a lifetime of success that he did have and all the charities he helped out with and his the way that he treated or the way that he loved his family um i don't think it compares and i think that's not our place or at least for me it's not my place to to judge all i am wanting to recognize is the great father that he was and the great athlete he was. And, you know, I think that's what he wanted people to see too. So it is interesting to see how, like, when something like this, this big happen, um, the reactions and the type of emotions that come out and really as sad as it is, all the dirt that will come up with it. So. Yeah. Now he's not here to defend himself and I'm sure Vanessa's not wanting to try and defend any, any of anything either because she had, she had to wake up without a husband and a, and a daughter. So, I, I mean, I'm glad that I, I figured you were that way, but I'm really glad that you're not the kind of journalist. And I don't think that your station would have wanted you to try and figure out some weird story just to kind of get more eyeballs and more interaction um, in the wake of everything that happened. Yeah, no, I mean, our job is to put out the news and put out what we know in that moment. And so, you know, I think one, we also all have a respect in some way. Our job is to say the news or tell the news. So if it is a negative thing, unfortunately, it's something that we will have to recognize. But I think the negative thing that day was the fact that he died. And so um, my station, you know, especially and I can't speak for the other stations, but my station did a really great job of being factual and at the same time allowing to show their emotions, but also um tell exactly what happened without creating too much emotion behind it so i think we did a great job unfortunately it was my day off when it happened so i wasn't able to help the team kind of set that platform but you know i i did what i could from home but it was it was incredibly sad and i think it impacted a lot of people um more than you could ever imagine yeah i think it'll continue to to do that too people are going to um, can try. They're going to continue to just to discover it if you they weren't old enough um, when it happened. But it's not when an icon dies. It it doesn't just go away. Um, transitioning out of that, you're you had a full season of covering football, and when you cover football, it's basically high school and just Washington State. Um, were you a big football fan before you kind of had to be around it all the time? Well, um, as you know, we're gonna have a little moment here but my dad actually played at Adams State College Boo! Um, <laughs> I know I know I should be too because I came from Western but um, he actually went to a national championship and he went down in the Hall of Fame um, with his team a couple gosh, maybe three years ago and so I was always around football just because my dad would still go to the t- games and there was a couple times throughout my life that he would be on the sidelines, whether it was a prep a pep talk or like helping with coaching. So I was always involved with it and I was always surrounded by it. Um, I watched it throughout my life, but I never actually 
really dived in deep with it until I started this job. And that, that goes for baseball as well. Those two sports were sports that I really had to kind of get outside my comfort zone because as you know, basketball, I know, um, front and back. So I'm really comfortable with it, but with football, you know, probably the most exciting aside from basketball that I got to experience within this job, um, Wazoo was just a whole entire different culture. I mean, of course they had Mike Leach, which we all know is just a different character himself, but the way that they just prepare and the way that the community kind of just attaches to it was just mind blowing. So I definitely had to learn a lot. Um, I spent a lot of time going through stats, learning the different positions. Like I know the basics, but I really had to really go in deep and figure that out. I got more involved with the NFL and um, high school because you have people being recruited into Wazoo and then um, especially local kids. And then with the NFL, like if there was any connections with Wazoo, I had to really be on top of it, especially with the Seahawks as well. So yeah, I definitely learned a lot over a period of, I think we've been here eight months about football. So I'm excited to go into the next year because I think I'm going to be way more prepared um, as we head into the next season. Yeah. And now you'll be able to kind of, you're, you're still a little bit around it cause you're getting more of the off season recruiting type um, deals. And that's good to, good to learn too. And you can take that wherever, because as the Super Bowl kind of showed football is still the number one sport. I mean, the XFL debuted yesterday and I think people for the most part kind of enjoyed having more football on so it's something that's uh, especially if you want to stay in the sports like communications market I I think that football is going to be the most popular sport for a long time still oh absolutely and I mean as I think as we get ready to take the next steps in our life you know Christian talked to you a little bit about it but we're looking at possibilities of going back to Colorado I mean that's something that I would love to go back and do and I would love to get involved with the Broncos or you know a college team and I would be comfortable working with football I think like you said I mean it's exciting and you know I enjoy it I enjoy kind of getting involved with it right now it's fun because like you said we're in the process of recruiting and stuff like that and as you know Wazoo just got a new head coach so Nick Rolovich and uh, he's he's a different guy too I mean he's not as out there as Mike Leach I've met Mike Leach personally and he's definitely a character but this new uh coach Rolovich he's amazing and I think that the um platform that he has set for this team is going to be great I think we're going to see a whole different team so it'll be interesting to see as the players that are currently on this team progress and kind of adjust to the new coaching and I think that you know they have a chance to be very successful yeah they're pretty talented for uh I wouldn't say that they're a lower level Pac-12 team but they're kind of mid-level and every now and then they bump up they were a lot better with Minshew just because he was a a little bit of an x-factor I do think that they're in a good place and now with a different kind of scheme uh I mean I I talked to Christian a little bit about Max Borgie too um but just being able I actually played against him a couple years because he's only two years younger than me so my junior and senior year I got to watch him play live he's a he's a special athlete and him being out there and now with the new coach who doesn't throw it 85 times a game, he, he could start seeing a little bit more of a bump, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the draft boards um, in a couple of years. Exactly. I mean, that's what I that's what I meant, too, when I said that we're going to see players kind of 
bloom as an athlete. Um, Max Borgie, like you said, didn't get a lot of chance to show his talents um, when Mike Leach was the head coach. But now that this uh, Rolovich is more willing to run the ball, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of transforms. And I think, you know, like you said, we'll see him. We'll see him in a couple of years in the NFL. Uh, moving now into basketball season, I'm obviously still learning. Um, I came in when I first started broadcasting basketball with Christian. I don't even know if I told him this, but I had absolutely no idea what I was watching. Uh, the, the hand, <laughs> I would try and equate the hand signals to what the I know the football hand signals are from the referees, but I was completely lost. I was basically just out there like, oh, they're bouncing the ball, and now they're throwing it at the circle. And that one didn't go in, but now that one went in. And uh, I'm learning a little bit more of it now. But what what is it like? Because you were around Division Two basketball with Western for the last couple of years. What's it like going from that to now? I mean, you're covering on paper the number one team in the state. We can talk about that a little bit um, if you want to. But you're covering yeah. Gonzaga and Washington State's obviously not bad in the Pac-12. So what's it like going up into major Division One basketball? Yeah, I mean, the cool thing about it is – when I first got here, so I loved basketball. I definitely lived and slept basketball my entire life. But one of the cool things about it was um, coming to Spokane, which I didn't know. It's like a hidden gem when it comes to basketball. I mean, the community here is obsessed with the sport. And so when I first got here, the first thing that kind of popped up was Hoop Fest, which is a whole other culture. Um, I was mind blown. But the fact that that happened which is one of the biggest uh, five or three on three tournaments in the nation. And then going to covering the number one on paper, like you said, they're actually number two in the AP polls, but Gonzaga um, it's just, it's amazing. Like the fan culture is nothing like I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, just the passion that these athletes have and the history that comes behind it. Um, I mean, it's rooted so deep into Spokane that these even people who don't play um, are religiously um, involved in the sport. And so Wazoo, Wazoo is on its way to progressing. Um, I think that after they had Clay Thompson come down and uh, Steph Curry, they're getting a little more involvement with the team itself. And so our, our station doesn't really cover them too much other than like if they have opportunities to go out there. Our center is definitely Gonzaga, which in retrospect is probably the best because they they're doing so good right now. But yeah, I mean, it's completely two different worlds. I mean, Western was great to watch even, you know, playing at Eastern New Mexico was great. Um, but it's, it's not the same. I mean, the, this school is a hundred percent dedicated to the sport and that's just something that I love because I'm, I'm very passionate about the sport. Yeah. And um, it makes the, the huge crowd that we had for the West Texas game, last year look like it's basically just your production staff would be that that amount of people when you fill up a, a major division one gym um we talked a little we talked a little bit last year when we were on the broadcast about how men and women basketball is played differently for men and women's um in, in each gender um gender division is that the the same at division one do is the women's game still a little bit more i'd say old school kind of predicated off the pick and roll and then men is more transition and, and finding open shots? Um, I think that, you know, as the years progress, women are pulling more away from the fundamental side of basketball and kind of creating that more um, active motion um, 
style so a lot of times like obviously girls you know there's not a lot of girls that can go and dunk the ball so the excitement behind the sport is still a little behind just because you know they can't create that fan excitement by slamming the ball into the hoop but you definitely see girls kind of pulling away from the pick and rolls I mean that's a that's a last resort type of thing you know in the final seconds of the of the time clock but I think you're seeing a lot more, you know, three-pointers, a lot more floaters, you know, drive to the baskets, pullbacks, um, a little more skill set, I, I would say. You're seeing a little more flair to it. Um, I think, you know, as far as comparing Gonzaga, both women's and men's teams, our women are super exciting because they carry that, the the older generations, the older generations, like the senior citizens and the families love to go watch the girls because they create that excitement for their kids and you know the kids are more related towards towards those women where the men's team gets the fans like the student fans you know in there and so a majority of the men's games you have fans student fans from the court side all the way up to the rafters and so it's a little more intense for the younger generations versus the women's is a little more set on the older generations but Definitely seeing Gonzaga play, especially the women, they they create a lot more flair to the game. It's not so basic. And I think that's just D1 in itself. I think D1 has not is not necessarily so focused. They don't I mean they have height, they have shooters, they have speed, they have the top of the top, so they're a little they have a lot more room to move around and be, you know, kind of fun and exciting to watch versus like a D2 school who you kind of have to work with what you have. Still great athletes, but you may not have the height, you may not have the speed. And so you kind of have to work with what you have. Um, and that's where the fundamental basketball comes in, I think. Yeah, there's not as much room for improvisation when you're not uh, like the Gonzaga's men's team when they're playing because their conference is, is pitiful, right? I, I can't, it's awful Poor. besides them. Yeah, it's it's horrible to watch. It'll be interesting. They play San Diego coming up, and San Diego is probably going to be their toughest competitor as far as the WCC. But yeah, I mean this this conference is sad. I was I was sitting there the other day, and it'll be interesting to see as the guys head into March Madness how they compete with you know other other conference you know teams because I mean they blow out people all the time. I mean most of the games I've gone to, they have a good 20, 30 lead um, from the team they're playing. So it'll be interesting to see what their skills really are once they get put against a team that has the same level or skill set level. Yeah, I think they remind me a lot of Duke from last year, not necessarily in the fact that they have the best player on the court, but they haven't had a close enough game that I don't think that they're – they're one of the teams that go in as a one seed. I pick them maybe to win one round but get upset in the second round because they haven't been in a close game. Uh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that statement. I think, you know, they don't have a Zion um, kind of running the team. I think that equally there's nobody on Gonzaga right now that really truly stands out. Um, I mean, they're all pretty even when it comes to skills. I mean, when you look at statistically, there's never a consistency who comes out on top. Like it could be Ryan Woolridge one game or it could be. Uh, Killian Tilly or Philip Petrusev. I mean, it's just different depending on the game. Um, but once they get into the actual playoffs, um, yeah, like Duke, it's going to be interesting. They're probably going to hit that second um, game, and it will, we'll see something a little more struggle coming from them just because they don't have that spark um, kind of pushing them forward. Yeah, the only thing that I could see that <clears throat> would end up being kind of a benefit for them 
um, is maybe not winning their conference tournament and still making the the March Madness bracket. No, they won't be as high of a seed, but I think that would kind of bring them back down to earth a little bit because that happens a lot when you're, especially when you're that much better than everybody in your conference. It's like when uh, Pueblo was ahead above everybody else in, in the RMAC for football, and then they go to the first round of the national playoffs and get beat because they haven't had to actually grind out a win. It'll be interesting moving forward because I do think. I mean, March Madness is always kind of a crapshoot, but I don't think that there's a specific team that you kind of say, step back, stand back and say, oh, they're definitely going to go to the Final Four at least. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't bet on a team this year as far as the bracket's concerned. I think we're going to have another year of kind of up-in-the-air um, upsets. Yeah, most definitely. Christian just yelled at me and said no. Um, <laughs> but I think that, yeah, most definitely, I think – there's no one really that's going to come out where you're going to be like, yeah, they're definitely going to win it. Um, it's going to be interesting. This is going to be a great March Madness. I can hear him in the background. What's he saying? <laughs> he said Zags are going to win. He yeah, you said that it. last year too. Zags all the way, baby. Oh my gosh. Christian, you said that last year too. Yeah, who won the March Madness bracket? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know how, Jimmy, you said that you didn't know much about basketball. Christian's still learning. So, yeah, I don't think... I don't think he knows as much as he thinks he does. (laughs) I got to sit in on those lessons live last year in the broadcast booth. Yeah, exactly. There were many times that he would say something and I would be like, "Uh, no, that's wrong. So he told me I'm not allowed to do that anymore. But as far as as far as March Madness, we can let him bet on Gonzaga and we'll just uh, we'll just take his money. Yeah, don't don't (laughs) give him access to the bank accounts. Let him bet his own money on that. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I want to transition a little bit just to Western's women's team. They're kind of the talk of the town right now. Being They're tied for second in the RMAC with Colorado Mines, um, but they have the head-to-head over them. So technically they do have the second seed already as, as the season stands today. As a former player of a winter sport in college, what is February like um, when, when you're on a basketball team getting ready to try and make a run at the conference tournament? Yeah, most definitely. Well, those that time of year, you're going to be tired. Um, that's kind of where your body's pretty much tired. I mean, done. It's either broken down. You have a lot more injuries on the team. Um, sickness is kind of that thing that comes around um, during that year because you're tired. I mean, you're putting in so many hours a day um, trying to reach this moment that by the time you reach this moment, your body's starting to say, like, I can't I don't want to do it anymore. And so these girls are probably hitting this point of exhaustion, but they know they have to get over this next, just this one more hill before they, they reach their end point. And so as much as as successful as these girls are, I I can only imagine how tired they are right now, but this is just the time that they have to bring that mental side of the game um, into play and really use that to get through the games. Um, But they're doing great. And I think that it'll be interesting as they head into playoffs to see how, again, kind of like Gonzaga, how they, they compete. Yeah, they do have a couple. Uh, they swept Westminster for the season, which is the first time they've done that since Westminster came to the RMAC. They uh, went one and one with Dixie, which that's actually the first time that they've beaten Dixie in basketball. So they do have a couple in a couple games where last year we would have seen them kind of fold or or crack underneath being exhausted and all that. I, I do think that they're showing that they have a little bit more grit. And all those girls that we were broadcasting that were like freshmen and sophomores that we said couldn't play because uh, when you first show when you first came to the school and when I first bro- started broadcasting, 
if they got within 20 and Christian remembers if they got within 20 and lost that that was a victory because it was at least within 20 and now coach Wessling's gotten these girls who have been together for a long time now moving in the right direction um Katie Dalton and Katie Dalton's come back from her injury last season and, and has looked really good I'm hoping that they can keep their focus and coach Wessling keeps them going and, and we get a home playoff game um be, because that would be something huge I don't think that I, I Christian and I talked about it last year how bad we wanted a playoff basketball game and I don't think Western has had that for a long time yeah I mean you got to look at it as these girls are kind of each year they become more callous in the sense of they become tougher. I mean, they learn from their mistakes the year before. And right now you're seeing these girls transition from freshmen and sophomores to juniors and seniors. Um, and as they get older, they only be, you know, they only gain more knowledge around it. And so I think, you know, I think they have a great program going right now. And I think that if they just continue with what they're doing and they stay consistent, it's when you start changing things as you get into that playoff season, a lot of times you'll see coaches start making transitions but a good coach will keep what they have going and then just transition their girls in and out to create that rest. Like we'll see a lot more as we head off into the playoffs, a lot more subs, you know, substitutes as these girls are trying to refresh themselves because again, they're probably tending some minor injuries, but you know, injuries nonetheless and trying to make their way through this, this season. But if they just keep consistent with what they're doing, they're going to be successful. And, you know, if they, depending on how far they go this year, when they head into the next season, they're going to gain more knowledge from what they learned this year into the next, and they're only going to become stronger in what they do. I had uh, I interviewed Coach Wessling a couple weeks ago, and she, I was talking to her about when they were uh, struggling as a program when she first got here, and um, she brought up an interesting point, and I kind of wanted to get your your take on it. She said when she first came in, and they knew that they were going to be bad because they had a ton of freshmen. She said that they could have tried to go out and get some JUCO transfers and possibly make it look better, uh, quicker, to, for lack of a better term. She wanted, if she wanted to make the school think that they were getting better a lot faster than they were, she could have gone out and plugged holes with JUCO transfers. But um, just as a person who has played basketball at that level, would you rather a coach have the faith to kind of develop your team and be able to play with the same people year in and year out, or is bringing in some really talented JUCO transfers the way to go? Yeah, I actually experienced both of those uh, type of coaches um, when I played. I When I came in my freshman year, the coach that um, we still had the same head coach, but we had an assistant coach, and his name was Jeff Saha. You know, his whole entire mindset around athletics was, you know, build with what you have. And then add on to that to create a great team. And my freshman year, it was absolutely incredible. I loved the girls on my team. Um, I liked the mindset that we all had. Um, it was definitely harder. We definitely were beat more. Um, I think as far as our egos were concerned, you know, they were hit a little harder just because we would lose um, by a lot or it would be a frustrating game where we would almost have it. And then, you know, we'd be up 10 and then all of a sudden we'd lose. Um but if we would have continued down that road, I think like Western, I think that we would have built a team that was solid as far as emotionally and mentally and physically. I think that we would have been able to create a solid team that didn't have those two co-transfers, but still was successful. And then when my sophomore year came into play, um, he left the program. And we had the head coach kind of take over the recruiting process. And that was something that he did. He came in, he cleaned house. He only kept five of us um, and then added a bunch of JUCOs. And it was super hard because 
there was no emotional connection there. It was, you know, starting from scratch. It was a quick fix, but there was also a lot of issues, issues internally that made it hard for the team to kind of work together. And so I am a person that strongly believes in use what you have. And then over, I mean, you can definitely add on to create a stronger foundation for your team, but doing a quick fix is only going to fix it in that moment. And then it's going to create some type of crack where you start having issues or there's, um, you know, emotional issues for the team. And actually, I mean, in a lot of ways, if you look at, you know, the men's team for Western, that's kind of something that they had last year. That's kind of what you saw. Um, versus you know the women's team has been consistent yeah it's kind of like free agency in the nfl you can buy spend a whole bunch of money and get a whole really talented roster but it almost never works out and even if it does for like a few years um we saw it with the broncos and peyton manning after that piece let leaves or graduates you you bring in a juco transfer who's a junior and he's only there for a couple seasons and then he's gone you you kind of end up in a worse position than when you started because you didn't you, you had that thing that plugged the hole and you didn't go out and actually try and fill the hole. Yeah. And I mean, I, I also think that you want a leader, not that it can't happen. Cause I think again, going back to Gonzaga, I think they have a lot of leaders on their team that are Juco transfers um, or a few of them, but I really think that a, a leader comes from, you know, building over the period of four years, someone that's been on the team from the beginning, who's seen the different things, who's seen the different teams, who knows, you know, what to expect, you can keep the team calm versus someone coming in after two years and trying to run the show. Um, they're kind of coming in blind. So having someone that's consistently there from the start to the finish is more uh, solid versus someone that comes in, you know, kind of last second. And so I totally agree with, with the idea of kind of building your way up with from freshmen because those girls are going to be able to go from each year and like I said gain more knowledge than the year before and there's that more solid foundation versus bringing in a couple people here and there and having to learn the chemistry all over again so I totally agree with that all right gonna transition again here we're kind of wrapping it up I don't want to keep you all afternoon I don't know if you if you still got to go back to work or what you have going on but uh I asked Christian this uh, when he was on are you excited for uh, the the marriage coming up here soon. You and Christian have been engaged for a little bit, and you guys have you guys have a date set. You're not releasing that quite yet, but are you getting a little bit nervous? Are you excited? What are you feeling right now, moving towards that? Well, I'm absolutely excited because, first of all, I mean, I am a hard person to live with, and the fact that he can <laughs> deal with my issues is just amazing. But he is my best friend, and so. The fact that I get to create a friendship for the rest of my life is just wow. okay. It's just something that's super in, important <laughs> to me um, because I mean I tell him everything. You know he knows me, and it's just great that we get to create this forever. So I'm definitely excited. The wedding is very stressful. Um, it's because he doesn't help. <laughs> I think he's just gonna show up that day, and he's gonna Hope he's gonna he's wear in the right I, color. Yeah, well, we've been fighting over his suit colors. He doesn't know, but I'm gonna win that argument. So I think, <laughs> I think, I think it's gonna be great. Um, I'm excited to. What I'm most excited, though, not just to marry him, because I mean that's just incredible in itself. But I get to see all you guys again. You know, I get to see you. I get to see um, Joel, uh, Tyler, Haroldson. I mean, there's just gonna be people that have been part of our journey as a couple. 
that we get to spend this moment with. So it will be fun to have you guys all back together. There will definitely be drinks. So you know what that's going to bring to the table. And I think that it's a moment for us to share our entire relationship together with you guys. And that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. I think it's going to be a great event. I was talking with Joel and I was telling Christian when he came on, but we were kind of, since he's my supervisor this year, we were in our weekly one-on-one meeting I kind of, at one point I was like, have you heard anything about Christian Marissa's wedding? I think it was around the time that you picked your dress. And I was like, well, I haven't heard anything. Joel, have you heard anything? Cause I, I know you were like Marissa's girlfriend when she was here. So <laughs> have you heard anything or am I just in the dark? And he's like, no, I haven't heard anything either, but I'm excited for it. I think that it's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, it's cool. And I'm glad that you guys are going to invite me. Cause I'm glad that I get to, to see that step with you too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you can definitely invite Lauren. We'd love to meet her. And uh, we're, we're working on it. It's been super hard. Um, I don't know if Christian told you, but we're, we're I mean, I have a full-time job at KHQ, um, but I also have a side job. I work my weekends. So technically I work seven days a week, but I work my weekends at a gym, um, just kind of like front desk stuff. So, cause we're just trying to save money for the wedding. So a lot of the stuff that's happening is actually done in Elamosa. My parents are doing a great job of, you know, running the show, getting everything situated. And so my mom just called me yesterday and we're actually going to be sending out our save the dates. So your, your invitation will be to you soon. So do not worry. You're definitely invited. And, you know, as we progress more, you guys will start to see more. If we just been so busy that it's been hard to kind of juggle both things going on at one time, but today we're going to go take engagement photos and, uh, you guys will get your save the dates hopefully in the next week my mom said she's sending those out either monday or wednesday so you guys will get to see us and be ready for some partying and celebrating if mama's on it i'm sure it'll be out in plenty of time um yeah i mean i i'm super excited and it's it's crazy that it's already almost here but i think that it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I miss having you guys around. It was a lot of we, – we got really close last year being able to broadcast all the games. We went out a couple times. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Fun enough to the point where if you do force me to go to Asamola to see you and Christian get married, I will make the sacrifice and go down into the worst part of Colorado and, and spend, so, spend an evening there because that's how much – I love you too, and I'm happy for you too. I, I don't know if Alamosa is the worst place. I would I would argue that Pueblo is pretty bad. I mean, I would say that's the armpit of Alamosa. I, I don't even see a difference <laughs> between Asimola and Pueblo. Uh, okay. Well, in order for you to come, you know you do have to wear an out-of-state shirt at least once in the, the couple hours of celebrating with us. That's just a given because you've given me so much hassle over the last couple of years that uh, I feel like it, it's well-deserved. We'll have to hide it from my dad because your dad is a Hall of Famer for Adams in football. My dad's a Hall of Famer for Western from football. I don't know if I'd be able to go back to my house and depending on how I, the job search goes before graduation, I might have to. So uh, we'll we'll keep talking about that one and we'll see what happens. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, Marissa, thank you for coming on. I'm glad that you we were able to do this and get, get like I said, the better half of the relationship on the podcast. Uh do you have anything that you want to plug, any of your social medias? Where can people find you and follow what you're creating? 
Yeah, you guys, they, you know, they can join me either on my personal Twitter, which is Marissa Manza too. Um, I put a lot of my graphics up there. But if you want to kind of keep up with what I'm doing, you can always tune into SWX on Twitter. So it's SWX right now, and then also on Instagram, same SWX right now, and you can kind of see what I'm doing, what I'm up to, uh, where we are in the seasons, and uh, just kind of keep up with what we're doing right now. It's Gonzaga, so if you want to join the whole March Madness excitement, um, feel free to join us. All right, and I'll put all that in the in the show notes too. I'll have you send me all the different social media handles that you want me to promote. That way we can get this out. And then I'll send you the link for the episode too so that, I mean, you have tons more followers than I do. So that'll help get get the word out about everything and get get your, your stuff out there as well. Absolutely, yep. I look forward to it, and I, uh, I can't wait to retweet this. I'm excited to hear it. All right, thanks, Marissa. Hate me, hate me, still trying to replace me, chase me. Face me, tell me how you hate me, erase me, raise me, wish you never dated me, lies, tell me lies, baby, tell me how you hate me, hate me, hate me, tell me how you hate me, tell me how I'm trash and you can easily replace me, tell me that I'm strung out, wasted on a daily, probably cause there's no one around me numbing all my pain, probably cause there's no umbrella to shoot me from all the rain, probably because you're the one playing the mind game, you hate me because I'm Tell me how you hate me, hate me Still trying to replace me Chase me, chase me Tell me 